Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, I'm going to do a continuation from the update cast I did the other day. Now, the one I did the other day kind of got a bit long, and so I wanted to just to cut it and then keep going because, you know, one of the things I love about this podcast is sharing things that are working for me, things that I'm learning, things that might just inspire you to pick up a few new tips and tricks for your, your tool bag, which, you know, we all carry around. Um, as dyslexics. So let's dive into today's pod. Okay, so this podcast, I'm going to throw a few different things at you um, from different parts of my life. And so the first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to look at um, picking curtains. Okay, so I know that sounds really exciting, really interesting, but I want to take you through a, a process. So we're having a house built at the moment. It's been a long time in the making. You know, we've visualized it, we've probably lived in it in our heads for a while, and it's finally about to be finished. Um, you know, if you know how hard it is to wait for things, waiting three years for a property is a long time. Um, especially if you've got, you know, this neurodiverse way of thinking. And, you know, you go through troughs of going, it's okay, it doesn't matter, to moments where you're just like desperate for it. And so we're at a point now where we're starting to pick out curtains. Now, with the house being built, and the way it's being built, we can't go into it until it's pretty much near ready uh, to have a look and do a settlement inspection. But what we want to do is, as you can imagine, is get some curtains made and sorted so when we move in, instantly we can get these curtains up. You know, I definitely can't sleep with <laughs> without curtains. It's not happening in this lifetime. Um, no matter how many eye masks I have, it's like my brain can still see the light. <laughs> it's not not happening. So it's a really vital part of all the things we're going to add into the house. That's the number one priority. Now, we're we're going through this process. We've chatted about it. We've, you know, me and my wife, are, we're pretty lucky. We have very similar tastes. And so it's not too, we're not like at each other's throats, which is fantastic. Um, but one of the things we are trying to decide is how the colors will work. We want to, you know, have a, a kind of a feature wall and some other stuff. And we can talk about it to a blue in the face. But the challenge we have is because we haven't been in the property as it stands, it's all in our heads that we're seeing this. We've seen some renders, so we have some idea, but how often um, example images of properties being built are not quite the same, you know, it happens a bit, right? So one of the challenges we have, and because I'm so conscious of my dyslexia, I know how easily my brain can build up, I don't want to say a fake version of the property, but a something that I feel is real and I feel is so clear in my head that will set me down a path to go, I want this type of curtain. This is the only one that will work. Now, me seven, eight years ago would have completely been that guy and really fought my case, pushed for something I'd seen in my brain. And then what would usually happen is we get to the point where the curtains go up and we go, actually, that color doesn't work correctly. That doesn't work at all. I don't like it. Bah humbug. That's kind of what would happen because I'd have gone in so strong and so clear and kind of gone, my intuition says, and, you know, but realistically what had happened is my dyslexic mind had visually created such a clear, spatial visual of how, you know, the room looked and what was going to happen that I'd be like, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm comfortable with, you know, do you know what I mean? I'd have, I'd have gone so far in. So there's now a part of me going through this process going, I kind of want to look at all these curtains. I want to kind of pick them to a point, but I'm, I'm also a bit cautious. I don't want to step 
I don't want to go head first in because if we buy these things, it's not like you can send them back. You know, they're custom made for the, the heights. And so it's really, I just, I just want to share that because it's a really interesting process that how different I would operate with this right now to how I would have operated with, you know, seven, eight years back, how my brain, how my systems work, how my own knowing. Now, how do, how do you solve this? So the key thing I have to be really clear of is I have to be really clear with my wife about what we want. And what I've also, you know, what I've also said to her is let's not rush on getting the feature wall painted because the curtains are the priority. So if we're 90% sure on the curtains, let's get those up and then check it out before we push play on getting a, a wall painted a, a, a later on. And, and the reason for that is, you know, that gives us a little bit more room if we do get the curtains slightly wrong color-wise to kind of solve it. Does that make sense? Whereas the old me would have said, let's just get it done. I want it done yesterday. Quickly, quickly, for the love of, you know, I would have rushed in. You know, that's what I would have done. And so I just wanted to reflect on that. I think that's a really interesting point. And I think it's really key in all of our minds. If you are dyslexic, you probably get behind your own beliefs really clearly. And you think it's so real because your brain has created, in essence, a fake thing in it that seems so real. You can talk to it like you're conf more confident than ever which is really weird, right? When we talk about dyslexics struggling with confidence, there's some things we are way too overconfident on. So I always push back on the confidence argument. Some things we're really unconfident about, some things we're hyper-confident. And where we struggle is the bit in the middle of confidence, okay? So that's, that's another thing. Another thing I wanted to chat about today in this update cast is going through the Andrew Huberman work that I spoke about on Tuesday. The thing I really that really got to me about it as well was how he spoke about how the neurodiverse mind works, especially with ADHD. And, you know, one of the reasons I love this podcast is, you know, with dyslexia, one thing we do here in the statistics is they believe over 50% of people also have ADHD to a certain degree. You know, it's again, it's just the way the brain is firing. I think in the future, more of this will be interconnected. Into, and there may even be new phrasing for the whole system, but, you know, we know how, the, how systems change. It'll take a long time. Uh, but one of the things that really stood out to me about it was, you know, you're basically in simple terms, your brain or your executive function or the thing that kind of controls your focus. If you've got ADHD, you're, you struggle to turn the other channels off or the other noise that's running around in your mind. So like when you're trying to focus, so someone who's 100% focused, they, they can turn the other channels off and they can just do a certain thing. It's just more natural. It's easier. Their executive function just operates a lot more like they can select the direction they're going in. With someone with ADHD, this just isn't as easy. It's where Ritalin, it's where all this other stuff comes in. It, it improves the, or increases the, I believe it's the sympathetic nervous system. It increases the uh, dopamine neuroephedrine. Who names this stuff, right, really? Um, you know, it, kind of, it kind of puts some energy behind that to kind of help you with focus. And so, you know, that was really interesting. Now, I've heard it in, said in different ways, but just this concept of all this noise, not just being external, but also internal. There's a lot of internal noise from different thoughts, and there's a lot of external noise from the world. And that was, it was actually the external noise that got me thinking about how much I love, like I use Apple AirPods a lot. I really enjoy them. And, you know, I don't really have a system that I use them for. 
But I guess after listening to this podcast, it's made me super clear that I want to make it a real active process about, you know, even using smells more. I've talked about these. I've used these in very specific circumstances, but using more work-based smells. Like if I go into my office, there's a certain smell going through it. Maybe something that calms, lowers anxiety, but it becomes my like office work smell. Um, and I use my AirPods, and then I go into the office, I put them in. Just an automatic thing. I don't sit there, you know, in silence. Because the, the challenge can be is, if it's too silent in the external world for me, my brain is actually much more likely to run off in a million places internally. That's one point. The second point is external noise. Even a rustling of a bush outside or a builder hammering or whatever it is, you know, where I live, everyone just seems to mow their, mow their lawns 24-7. So um, and it's, there's not a lot of lawns around here. So I don't understand how there are so many lawnmowers. Um, but that type of stuff really agitates me. It's kind of like my nervous system's looking, who's going to attack me next? Every time it hears a noise, it's away. And so, although I've known this, I've spoken about it, it's brought it back to the forefront for me about, okay, if I actually made a conscious effort to say, hey, my AirPods are going to go in at, say, 9am or 9.30 until 10.30, and I'm going to have a set, maybe a set group of music that I play. And sometimes, if I'm honest, I tested this last week, I just had my AirPods in noise cancelling and I was just amazed at how much focus I got from that. Like it was quite creepy really. It was like quite amazing how much the smallest external noise from a fridge humming to anything. It's like my brain has to use energy to try and work it out or to try and dilute the sound about what I'm actually trying to do. It's it's kind of like working on overdrive. It has to you know, it's kind of like a computer that has to run extra fans. Like if you ever had an Apple Mac, you know, the, the computer itself has these fans that just keep turning on to kind of cool it down. It feels like my brain, when there's a lot of sound, has to turn all these fans on because it's, it's overworking. And, you know, I, I just, you know, you kind of feel this way that that's why in the afternoons, you know, your brain actually uses a huge amount of your energy, your glucose, to run. So you can see why there's a lull in the afternoon because especially if all this stuff's been happening. So I want to kind of test that out a bit more this week. And I just think it's, you know, sound is, you know, of all of the things, like I'm quite light sensitive as well. You know, I like a dimmer room than a bright room. Um, especially unnatural light just doesn't work for me. Um, but when it comes to sound, that seems to be the thing that makes the biggest impact. So like, as I plan this new house that we're building, my office is literally going to be it's going to be intriguing how I build it. Like I really, I really want to make it work for my neurodiverse mind. And I'll probably do a video episode at some point once I'm a bit further along, you know, because I'm going to be testing standing desks. You know, I want temperature control. Like my office at the moment in the morning can be eight degrees, which I like it cool. And then in the afternoon, it could be 25 degrees Celsius. I'm talking, so not Fahrenheit. But, um, you know, let's just say it can have big swings from being really cold to really hot in a very short period of time. Um, and so that doesn't work for me. Like it, it's like my body just, yeah. So I guess what I'm learning is the more and more I alter this stuff at home, the better my production, the better happiness factors um, that I'm working on. So how can you change your environment to work with your brain? Because it's probably more, valu more valuable than you ever realized. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I want to share today, guys. 
Hope that's added some value. Hope that's got you thinking about those those things, about how your brain works spatially and um, and the like, and how your work environment or your environment plays such a game changing role in your effective and effectiveness in the world or efficiency. So um, have an epic day, and I'll be back next week.